Well, welcome to Graceway Baptist Church and our Sunday School Hour. Obviously, this is a little bit different. We won't have Gary's production value or anything like that, but I am in Arkansas. We're visiting and getting to know our little grandson, Sutton, and um, we appreciate your prayers for him. He's a preemie and a little guy, of course, and, um, you know, I was a preemie as well. We have our uh, struggles, <clears throat> and we appreciate your prayer. So um, anyway, I am uh, at a motel in Arkansas and wanted to get this video out to uh, our teachers and to those of you who watch the Sunday School lesson and keep up with everything, and I certainly do appreciate that. <clears throat> we are already in September, and this will be our uh, September 4th Bible study for Sunday school, we're going to start talking about uh, Belshazzar's party. And kind of the thing that I'm thinking about is uh, he was kind of a typical politician in so many ways. I think that a lot of the people that serve in governments, and this would certainly be true of ancient kings uh, and the power that they had, they serve mainly for the time that they're in office. It's about now. It's about my reputation, my legacy, all of that kind of stuff, instead of maybe what's good or best for the nation or for the people. You can, well, you can see that as you look at things. And these people are having a great, big, wonderful party while their country is collapsing, literally collapsing. We can kind of figuratively figuratively see that in the um, the old saying that Nero fiddles while Rome burns, kind of the same idea. And we see that today even, that we wonder why can't politicians see that what is happening in our culture and in our nation is not good for the long term. And so many people, they serve for what they can get out of it. And also, um, I'm convinced that a lot of them make laws that are going to benefit them when they get out of office so that they can become a lobbyist or they can invest in certain ways. Things like that that are, well, to say the least, are corrupt and also illegal. But uh, what's new? Maybe that's a good question. What's new? That's probably always been going on. In Amos chapter 6 verse 3 it says, O you who put away the day of disaster, and bring near the day of violence. And uh, it's the idea of judgment, accountability, um, payday, I guess, is something that we, or the bills coming due, maybe not payday, the bills coming due, we put that far off. It's kind of like a person who recklessly uses credit cards saying, oh, I'll pay for it later, but they never think about the time when that payment is going to come due. And that's kind of the way our country is. We don't really like to think about any accountability or anything really costly. Just pay off all of the, well, student loans has been in the news recently. Whether we can afford it or not, not a big deal. Send money to different countries and different places and then different social programs and just, you know, put it on the credit card. We've got a line of credit, but we never really think about when things are going to come due. And so many politicians think only about the next election. What's going to get me reelected? What's going to get me 
put back in office, which, by the way, is one of the reasons I support term limits. But again, we see this, nothing has changed. The Medes and the Persians have surrounded Babylon by this point. They've got the city under siege. But don't worry, they've got enough food in Babylon to uh, last for about 20 years. They've got plenty of water because the Euphrates River actually would flow under the walls and through the middle of the city, so they've got water. And, um, you know, yeah, 20 years, you know, it's going to end sometime and they'll run out of food, but not now. And that'll be for another generation to worry about, so let's party. And so Belshazzar is having a big party and a feast here for all of his leaders. Sounds so very familiar. And it's almost like Belshazzar, got it written down here in the introduction, is daring God to judge him, but living as though it would never come. Sound familiar? That's modern day America. And by the way, not just the politicians. I think that's the way most people live in our culture. So let's read. Daniel chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. And in this one, of course, we're going to start off talking about the king, but Daniel's going to enter the picture before long. It says, Belshazzar the king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple, meaning the one in Jerusalem, which had been in Jerusalem that the king um, and his lords, his wives and concubines, might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple, the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar destroyed it. And the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines drank from them, and they drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, um, bronze and iron, wood and stone. So this is not an act of faith or an act of worship or anything like that at all. This is, let's just get drunk and let's party. It's kind of the Epicurean philosophy, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And so uh, I guess they're going to uh, just throw a party and forget about the whole thing. So as I was thinking about that, isn't that kind of our tendency and kind of our human nature? Oh, I know, one of these days something's going to happen, but if I can't live the way I want to live, then what would be the point of living? And so let's just uh, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. I remember a man, he was a really old man, probably in his late 50s, back when I was uh, in my 20s. And he made a statement that it sounded pretty good to me. He said, you know, my doctor says do this and this and this, but if I can't live the way I want and eat what I want to eat, what's the point in living? I'd rather die sooner. I wonder if that guy later, when he got into his 60s or 70s, I wonder if he still felt that way and wonder how much medical treatment and procedures he had to go through because he didn't take care of himself. I mean, that's just an example, not to mention when we look at finances, how many people <coughs> are living, transferring balances from one credit card to the next 
and uh, all the while everything keeps increasing and uh, they kind of act as though that that um, that day of accountability and payment will never come it's just kind of the way we live and people do that with eternity and they do it all the time you can talk to any number of people well I know I'm gonna die and I know I need to get things right with God but someday someday manana we'll do it later on you know and uh, right now I'm gonna do what I want to do and uh, the book of Amos also says in a warning prepare to meet thy God and the problem is we're not really prepared well these people aren't either and in spite of what all's happening around them they don't seem to take it very seriously do they well let's think about it like this point number one we're introduced to a different king this is a king that um, is different than Nebuchadnezzar we're used to him Nebuchadnezzar is dead and he's been dead about 20 years now he died in uh, somewhere around 563 BC and Belshazzar is the new king. Belshazzar sounds very similar to Daniel's Babylonian name, Belteshazzar, but Belshazzar, the king, it means may Bel, a false god, may Bel protect the king. Ironic. This king, this is the last day of his life. This is the fall of the Babylonian Empire this very day. You've heard the saying, people say, well, the handwriting's on the wall. Most people don't realize it comes from this story. And the handwriting on the wall was the finger of God writing a message of judgment to this particular king, Belshazzar. Your days are over. It's irreversible. It's going to happen. And that's what that saying means. May Bel protect the king. Well, he didn't do a very good job of it, did he? Belshazzar, who was he? Well, one of the things that we know uh, by looking at history, the Babylonians were very good at keeping a record of their history, is during this time, we're clued into something because when Belshazzar sees the handwriting on the wall, he says, whoever can read it and interpret it, uh, they're gonna get a purple robe, a gold chain, and they'll be third in the kingdom. Why not second? Well, there was already a second in the kingdom, and actually it was Belshazzar at this point. Nebuchadnezzar had uh, a son named Nebuchadnezzar, took me a while to think of it, and um, the, the exact relationship, he may have been an adopted son, um, or he may have been a natural son, we're not exactly sure, and uh, he had a son named Belshazzar, so Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. Belshazzar should have been more like the crown prince, like Philip in uh, England who's awaiting to take over the throne. But Nabonidus was gone. He was out on military expeditions, exploring, uh, gathering treasure, making alliances, that type of thing. So somebody has to rule in Babylon and so he had his son be a co-regent, a co-ruler with him. And so Nabonidus is uh, sitting there as the functioning king in Babylon while Nabonidus did I say that right? Belshazzar is the functioning king, while Nabonidus is technically the king, but he's out doing other things right now. That's who we are talking about. So, number two, it's a desperate situation. He made a great feast, the Bible says, for a thousand of his lords. 
Now, I don't think that counts the concubines and the wives and their wives and other people like that. So um, multiply that by, you know, maybe three. And uh, this is a big, big feast. And they're drinking wine. It's amazing how often alcohol and other types of drugs enter into, uh, you know, you've got to party with that. You can't do it without it. And you've got to blitz your mind and you've got to be stoned and um, all of that. Why anybody wants to live like that is beyond me. And uh, he drank wine in the presence of the thousand. And so they're about to be conquered by the Medo-Persian army. Now the walls of Babylon were uh, projected in that day to be impenetrable. They were so thick and they were so high and they were very well guarded and they had again as we said before plenty of water from the Euphrates River and they also had food in store for two decades. Well what they didn't know is the Medes and the Persians under Darius, uh, some think that that was more of a, a title like a, a king or a family name or something like that, but uh, also Cyrus the Great is uh, another name for this same king, is very in, uh, ingenious. What they do is they divert the waters from the Euphrates River so that it doesn't flow out there. And they, um, as they do that, then they uh, are actually going to crawl under the gate, under the walls, and they are actually going to enter the city and they're gonna invade it. So this is something that caught everybody off guard. They had absolutely no idea that this would ever happen. So they thought they could just eat, drink, be merry, party on like it's 1999 with all due respect to Prince. And uh, they're going to do that and uh, just keep on and just kind of put off just any kind of judgment or anything like that at all. And this is the night that they're going to be invaded and they're going to be conquered by the Medo-Persian Empire. John MacArthur in his study Bible says, the celebration was divine, uh, designed pardon me, to boost morale and to break the feelings of doom because at this very time, the armies of Medo-Persia in about uh, verse 30, around verse 30, and Babylon uh, had Babylon under siege, hopelessly under siege is, is what it says. And so, um, well, this is the problem. And so they're gonna act like they're not under any danger and nothing's ever gonna happen. It'll never happen here. It'll never happen in this place. Again, kind of sounds familiar with our own time, doesn't it? And this was the end of the Babylonian Empire. And understand, this was a world empire, a major empire, like the Roman Empire, like the Grecian Empire under Alexander the Great. Uh, this was a major world empire. Now, I want you to notice in the midst of all of this, instead of turning to God and crying out to God, seeking the Lord and asking Him for deliverance, they actually are spitting in His face shaking their fist in the midst of God because it's not enough that they do this. They have to make it worse. It turns blasphemous. And it says in verse 2, while he tasted wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem <clears throat> that the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines, that's why I say multiply this maybe as much as by three, 
had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords and his wives and concubines drank from them. And so they take this and they're going to remember their glory days. Remember those days when our gods were strong enough <clears throat> to conquer Jerusalem and to conquer the God of, of Judah. And let's drink to all of that. Drink to the old times. Drink to our memories. And so they're literally living in the past, ignoring everything in the present, but kind of living in the past and not really thinking much about the present <clears throat> or the future. It's kind of a sad thing when people do that. You know, you uh, think about maybe a person who was a great athlete in their high school days. Now they're in their 60s, but they're still re reliving their glory days in high school or in college or something like that. And uh, not really aware of who they are now and what they're really facing. That's kind of the way Belshazzar is. Now it mentions in here that his father is Nebuchadnezzar. How do we understand that? He's been dead for 20 years and it doesn't historically line up. Well, as you know, in ancient writings, even in the Bible, sometimes the word father refers more to an ancestor than it does a literal next generation father. And so uh, Nebuchadnezzar is more of a grandfather to Belshazzar than he is an actual father. Nabonidus would have been his father or stepfather. And so this is a last act of blasphemy and defiance during the uh, inevitable that's going to happen. And so the invasion and the fall of Babylon is going to happen this very night. In fact, we find, as we read in the rest of this chapter, Belshazzar, well, this is the last night of his life. Well, what would you do if you knew that uh, it was the last day you were going to live, that you were going to die tonight? Well, I would hope you would want to do better than this. In Proverbs 20, verse 1, it says, Wine is a mocker, and strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. It's not very smart to live like that, to be drunk, to be out of your mind, not to be able to think. I had a roommate in college, and uh, he loved to go out on the weekends and just be so drunk that he didn't remember anything. And I remember thinking, what's the point of that? Why would I want to make memories that I can't remember? Why would I want to do things that I wasn't in control of? And he would uh, have fights with friends and you know, had bruises and cuts he couldn't explain. What? What's the point? You know, this is called fun, isn't it? It's a mocker. And uh, Proverbs chapter one, uh, 31 verse 4 it says, It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink. Now, why would he say that? And he would say that because kings are supposed to be clear-headed, they're supposed to be sober, and when? At all times. I mean, wouldn't it be terrible to think about having a president that liked to drink, and uh, maybe he gets to a weekend and he says, you know, it doesn't really matter that I'm the president. It's the weekend. I'm off, and so he gets drunk. You know, wouldn't it be about right that that would be the time of a terrorist attack or a nuclear attack from Vladimir Putin or something like that? 
And uh, so you need to have a leader that is in control of his faculties at all times. And, you know, I would go on to say that's not only true for kings and um, rulers, but what about for a dad? You know, is there ever a time when, as a father, you don't need to be in uh, the right mind so that you can take care and protect your family? You never know what's going to happen. And so that's why my choice is I solve the issue. I just stay away from the stuff. That way I don't have to ever worry about it. I never have to get into a car and question whether I'm sober enough to drive. I don't have to worry about whether I'm clear-headed enough to uh, make a decision for my family or rescue or do anything like that. And it's just, a, to me, it's a better way to live. So what's going on here? Again, it's eat, drink, and to be merry, the Epicurean philosophy for tomorrow we die. And number four, I want you to notice their misguided dependence. They drank and they praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and stone. And there they are, folks, with the temple uh, furnishings that are taken in honor of the true and the living God. And instead of that being a reminder to them, they actually go a step further and they blaspheme using the uh, furnishings from the temple of God to ask their false gods and you remember, um, is it in Psalm 135, it says that the gods, that uh, the nations serve the idols, have eyes, but they can't see, they have ears, but they can't hear, mouths, but they can't speak, and there's no breath in them. It's, it, it's completely pointless. And it says that those who worship them and make them become like them. In other words, they become just as dead as their idols. Well, that's what's getting ready to happen here. So they're praising false gods instead of the true and the living God, and they're drugging themselves with alcohol. Can you imagine the laughter? Can you imagine the debauchery, the drunkenness? Can you imagine the immorality? Can you imagine all of the stuff, out of control stuff that's going on that was completely, not only morally inappropriate, but inappropriate to the situation as a whole? Uh, this is a time when you ought to be thinking a little more seriously. You are about to die. Now, this is not to say, um, for example, if I'm dying of cancer and I'm in pain, give me morphine. Even in the book of Proverbs, it says, give strong drink to the one who is perishing. That, that Painkillers are, are a different uh, situation. But this isn't a matter. These people are not in pain. These are people who just want to you know, be out of their minds because I don't want to think in reality or face what's happening. And so they drug themselves with alcohol. I wonder if we have such a drug and alcohol problem in the United States because even though we are the most prosperous nation on earth and we live in the most prosperous and comfortable times in history, maybe it's giving us a clue that people on the inside are absolutely miserable. They have no joy. They have no peace. They're filled with rage and covetousness and greed and all of those type of things when we ought to be thankful and we ought to be happy and we ought to be contented. We're doing everything wrong and everything backwards, aren't we? Maybe we're not that much different than the ancient Babylonians. And uh, they're living in denial. We can withstand the siege and invasion is impossible. And yet, uh, there they are, 
And I guess we could sum it up by saying they're dying in futility. This is it. It's all going to be over. It's going to be a different empire in 24 hours. Going to be a different king within 24 hours. Going to be a different dynasty passed on to descendants in 24 hours. Going to be a different form of government in 24 hours. I mean, this is really amazing. Now, this is basically a lesson that sets us up for the ones that follow. This is more about the setting and the historical situation. And so uh, the feast, which was a, a new moon feast, was actually their last hurrah. Belshazzar's grandfather learned the Most High, this is quoting Nebuchadnezzar, the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets it over the lowliest of men. Well, Belshazzar doesn't believe this and lives as if the idols were in control, which really means because he made the idols, he's in control. You see, here's the bottom line with idolatry. Men came up with those gods, they're false gods, and men crafted or created those gods out of wood or gold or silver or bronze or something like that, which means, really, that little piece of thing that I made, who's in control? Well, if I made it, I control how it looks, I control the size, I control what I do, I control what I don't do when it comes to that. This is an attempt to go back to the Garden of Eden and Satan saying to Eve, in the day you eat thereof, your eyes will be open and you will be as gods. And so these false gods that people make are really self-worship and that's the problem that we all have. We worship ourselves. We think that we are sovereign. We think that we're in control. We think that we determine what's right or wrong. And we think that we can do whatever we want and we don't really have to worry about the consequences or anything like that at all. So Belshazzar, again, is just kind of, this is a dare to Almighty God. And so Belshazzar uh, doesn't believe what his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar believed and came to understand and lives as though he were in control. And so his motto, kind of a throwback maybe to the 80s, party on, party on. Well, that's why we're different, and that's why God has given us something different to live for. We've found something, and that something is a someone, and his name is Jesus. And then as we grow in the Lord, we understand this. We didn't find him. He found us. And there's a future and a hope for the children of God. And so we don't need the false gods. We don't need the parties. We don't need the blitzing and stoning our minds or any of that kind of stuff. We live for the glory of God, and in that we find peace, we find productivity, and we leave a legacy that uh, is something that we can be happy about instead of being ashamed of. Well, I appreciate your time, and uh, thank you for this. Pray this blesses you and feeds your soul, and may the Lord bless you until next week.